Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude NWI Steve. And uh, this isn't a post game; this is just a a little conversation that we're going to have. And hopefully, all of you join in with your comments on the comment section there, and we just talk about what transpired today. Uh, before we get into this and share our depression with everybody, be sure you're going on tapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter. At Socks on Tap, at On Tap Sportsnet. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five star rating and review because that's cool and tough. And also check out Grandstand. You can follow them on socials at Grandstand Socks. Any apparel needs you need, go to Grandstand, check them out. They'll hook you up. Steve, we got some really unfortunate news today, my man. Um, it came out, what was it, around like two, three o'clock, I think it was in the afternoon. I was really tied up at the day job that Rick Hahn was going to address the media about Luis Robert. And when I saw that, I figured that was going to be bad and a lot of people were going to be sad slash mad online. That's where we're at. It comes out that Luis Robert is going to be out for it was, uh, 12 to 14 weeks. Um, the hip flexor that he sustained at the game you were at was actually a grade three, which is a, which is a tear. Um, it was a grade three strain, complete tear of the hip flexor. So he can get surgery. He can opt out of surgery. Either way, it's 12 to 13 weeks. Um, first of all, Hey, how are you? How you doing? And, and thoughts on this, my man. Hey, yo, buzz. Um, I think as the saying goes, not great, Bob, not great at all. It's, it's really hard to take this news and, feel good about uh about where this team is is going to go from here and i think kind of lost obviously the Luis robert news is the headliner here but the news that couples this that makes it even more problematic is that adam angles sustained another setback in his rehab that it's going to now be another three weeks before he can even go on a minor league assignment so we're looking at at least a month here of combinations of Larry Garcia, Billy Hamilton, and Luis Gonzalez in center field on a team that thought they were a World Series contender at the start of the year. So now, couple that with the Aloy Jimenez news, you now have two of your starting outfielders that were all-star caliber players and your number four outfielder missing significant time. I know a lot of people this offseason wanted to talk about, you know, this team needed to, you know, depth, depth, depth. I can only think of one team in the sport that could sustain 
losing two all-star caliber outfielders for four months apiece and your number four outfielder for two months and, and be able to survive it. So it just, it, it sucks. I, I don't, I don't know where they go from here. Um, I don't know how they fix the, this center field situation now because you're, you're in a spot where it's not even Memorial day and, and trades historically just don't happen this early in the season. And if you look at some of the teams that are obvious non-contenders, you look at teams like the Texas Rangers, the Baltimore Orioles, the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're not going to get a center field option there um, because, you know, you look at teams like the Pirates and the Orioles have young guys under rookie level contracts. And, um, you know, Texas doesn't really have a, a quality center field option. The Rockies don't have anybody. So I don't know what they do. Right now, I mean, you basically have to just hope that maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle with Luis Gonzalez for a couple of weeks, and you know maybe Larry can ride it out for another another two weeks or so, two three weeks here of getting hot. Um, he's he's done that in the past. I mean, that's that's all you can hope for right now, and and hope that you can just kind of tread water until Adam Engel gets back in a month. My, my defense mechanism is showing right now because I'm smiling, even though I want tears. Um, you know, going into the season with so much hype and stuff like that and, and losing two-thirds of your outfield, arguably two budding superstars, right? You know, within Eloy Jimenez and, and Luis Robert. It, it's just detrimental. It's, it's horrible uh, to, to happen. And you said something about the depth. And I don't care what team you are, man. And I'm, I'm so sick of hearing this narrative, and I don't care if I get lit up about it. It's just when you lose two players like that, you're not going to have badass options on your bench that are going to replace the production that you were to get out of them. Injuries are part of the sport that are unfortunate, and being a Chicago sports fan is something that I'm all too used to, especially with the other Jerry Reinsdorf-owned team. I, I dubbed this episode Let the Bad Times Roll because it just that's what's happening right now. Um, and as you said before, you know, you don't know where they go from here and I'm going to bring it up and I'm not trying to like have a stupid cheap laugh. Okay. About but, 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 Buzz, <laughs> Buzz, I know, I know where you're going here and uh, I have to stop you here. He can't cover center field. He doesn't have he, to, he, Steve. He, he can't, he can't. He, he doesn't have to, Steve. You can, you can put Adam Engel over there for a little bit. Adam Engel's not coming I'm back sorry, for a month. I meant, I'm sorry, Adam Eaton. I apologize. You can no, Eaton. you can't. Yes, we, yes, you can. No, we saw that in 2015. That shit ended really, really bad. But what would bad. you rather do? Would you rather put him over there who might have a shot and has done it at the major league level, or would you rather have Luis, or Luis Gonzalez or, 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 or Billy Hamilton in there every day? you got to get creative here, man. You have to. You have I, to at this point. I, I – I am very staunch in my belief that Adam Eaton is not the solution there in that particular spot. Um, and you could be completely right. Like when, when we were having the conversation, I'm not trying to disregard your opinion. I'm just trying to think outside the box, brother. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if they, if they want to go to Puig, um, you know, to help maybe spell Eaton in right field, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, whatever. They they got to figure out some way to cover center field here because Robert's not going to be back till September at the earliest. So and like I said, you got a month until Adam Engel comes back. You, you got to figure something out here. And I think we've all kind of seen, even though 
he's made tremendous strides in in what he's done in the last year and a half. Adam Engel playing every day is likely to get exposed again. He he's been perfect in the particular role that he's been in as a he's fourth a, outfielder. Right, exactly. And I think you put him in that spot again where he's playing every single day and, and getting overexposed against right-handed pitching. We're just going to have a lot of the same complaints that we saw from 2018 and in the first half of 2019. Um, so I don't know what they do here. I, I, I really mean, don't. <laughs> would you take a flyer on a guy like, like Josh Reddick or, or like Ryan Braun or something? I mean, because I, I thought I had read, and, and this is where I'm, I'm trying not to get too cloudy here, but I thought I had read that the legal stuff with Puig signed in Mexico it was getting resolved. I, Listen, if he did something terrible, I don't want him here just because that, you know, I don't want him here if he's a terrible person. Like, I don't know what happened. I've read things. I, you know, innocent until proven guilty type deal. I'm not sure what's going on, but there's a reason he doesn't have an MLB, MLB job like you've pointed out 10 million times in the past to me. And I just like, you know, that's kind of our bit. So I love to keep it alive because it's fun. <laughs> it, it's just kind of fun to make it at least put a smile on her face because that's our little bit there. It's like me being six in the NWO and just jumping around you like, you know, with, with the stupid ass little comment, you know, but it, it's just I'm trying to think outside the box. And I look at a couple guys that are sitting in the free agent pool and then Cespedes as well, the, the uh Jonas Cespedes, I, I read today that he will not sign anything other than a two-year deal. So I don't know if that's he's out. The window. He's that, out. That's yeah. yeah so that's... I'm I'm trying to think outside the box. I'm trying to think of something that can help because at this point, if they do ride with like a Lurie and a Billy Hamilton, a Luis Gonzalez, our friend Nick Williams is still you know who was up here before he didn't get picked up. He's going to be in Charlotte as the minor league rosters were announced earlier. Um, you know, I, I look at those options and I look at a couple of the guys that you could possibly take a flyer on and those intrigue me more than that. Cause I think we've seen that before, but I think at the end of the day, if they stand pat, you, <laughs> you really need Jose Abreu to pick it up and get above the Mendoza line. You know, you need, you need, you need Yasmani Grandal to pick it up. I mean, you're really going to be relying heavily on the players that you have invested in to help carry you. And, and this is a time where you kind of see a clubhouse, which we're going to touch on this in a moment as well, a clubhouse that is broken a little bit with the two guys that have the most fun and the two guys that got the most smoke around them that are now gone in, in Eloy and, and Luis Robert. And that really kills your outfield. Man. You bring up a great point there, Buzz. This is time for the big boys, your veteran guys, your guys that you were counting on to lead what we thought was going to be a very lengthy lineup. It is time for them to step up. You know, Jose Abreu, the MVP chance for the first month and everything have been nice. He's been dog shit outside of two or three games. I mean, let's, let's be real about it. Yes. Money Grundahl has been absolutely atrocious. And I know the, the on-base percentage is passable because of the walks, but you got to start hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That's it. Um, the, these two guys, they got to step it up. And and Yohan Mankata has got to start hitting the ball for some power here. Adam Eaton's got to get out of this funk he's in. Your, your guys that you were counting on have to get this thing figured out here quickly. And your, your pitchers have to step this thing up now. Uh, Lucas Giolito... You fancy yourself a $200 million pitcher. It's time for you to go out there and start fucking. I don't see more bullshit. 
that um, that we saw in Boston or the Tigers. You know, and everyone talk about playing You need to go out there and you need to take the ball and you need to shove it up until Badu's ass and let him have a pitch bat and work a walk and then put you in a position where you've got you know Wilson Ramos coming up and hitting hitting a double to tie the game. You got to you bury those jabronis out there, right? Dallas Keuchel. You you can't be going out there losing your command and giving up four runs against a piss poor Cleveland Indians team. All right, you want to be a leader. You want to be a guy that is out there in front talking to the press all the time when when something's wrong. Get your shit together. You're a veteran. You're a Cy Young winner. You've been in a World Series champion. Act like it. All right, Blancis, you, you looked good against all it up here. Um, Mar or on Wednesday against uh, the Cincinnati Red team, you got to get it going. And most importantly, and everyone knows I was champion in this bullpen at the start of the season. I thought this was going to be the best bullpen in the American League. They have been anything but that to start the year. Figure it out. You got to figure it out now. Evan Marshall, Evan Marshall, get it there. Aaron Bummer, you had a nice, you had a nice outing over the weekend. You need to build odds. Right. Matt Foster, you need to get together. So the guys that we thought and we were counting on, whether offensively, pitching on the run prevention side, you guys, it, it, it's up to you guys now. Um, because there not going to be significant reinforcements coming here for a month. So you got to find a way here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the pitching has been decent as of late. You know, I mean, beside outside of really Keuchel and, and Giolito, which wasn't really a guess. I think Giolito only has like one quality start within the, you know, in all of his starts this year. But the Sox in ERA are uh, top eight in the ML in all of the MLB in in pitching stats or, or in ERA. I'm sorry. You know, they, they've been decent. The starters have been good. Um, it's just you're going to have to kind of win now with um, – with pitching and maybe short runs, I don't know how else you're going to really do it at this point. And it's upsetting just because of where we're at. And I don't know, you know, and you brought up Dylan cease as well. Like, I don't know what it's looking like with him. I don't know if they're going to, they brought up today on six, seven to the score after the, uh, after the game was over looking at possibly moving him because he does have some eye upside. If you're really trying to compete and bring somebody in, I don't know how likely that is. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know if Rakan's going to pull the trigger because he likes to say an open contention window for many years to come. It's just a, uh, it's a rough spot to be in right now. And it just feels weird. I don't think the season's all doom and gloom. Um, I do think that they could still somewhat be competitive even without Luis Robert, but I just kind of don't know where they go. And that, and that's the thing, whether you look from the outside or you try to ride with what you have now, but if the bats in your lineup, the, the, the two most highly paid guys in the lineup in, in Abreu and Grandal don't pick it up. This is going to be a very long and hard few months in, until those guys come back. Um, I'd like to see Sockside Mike just put something in the chat here. Um, you know, Kopech moves up, sees traded for depth. I mean, that's something that could possibly happen, but I, I, I don't know either. I, you know, that we've heard a lot of rumors that, Michael Kopech, they want to watch him. I don't know if there's an innings limit on him or what. Uh, you know, it's been kind of hush-hush with that. Um, they, they want to make sure he's here for, you know, meaningful baseball in, in September and get trying to get into October or in October. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it's I, – I really don't – I'm at a, kind of a loss for words, honestly. It's just kind of – 
if it, if it could go bad, it, it's gone bad. And that's just kind of where I'm at with it, man. You're absolutely right. No, you're look, you're 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 spot on there with with your assessment of things. One other aspect that I feel like people aren't necessarily looking at with this Robert news, obviously the impact to the lineup, but this is going to have a significant impact on their run prevention and, and on the on the pitching staff as, as a whole because you take away a guy that if he wasn't you know, the number one center fielder in the American League, he was, you know, a one a, a beneath, you know, Byron Buxton. I mean, that you know, those two guys are really kind of neck and neck from a defensive standpoint here. So now you're in a spot where you've got a, a left field scenario with a rookie who had never played above class A ball, had never played left field in his life, trying to learn at the major league level. The other corner, you got Adam Eaton, who has been doing some pretty stupid shit out there. I mean, let's just be completely honest here. And I'm very worried that he's going to continue running himself into walls, sliding himself into bases. And, and, you know, he could be the the next domino to fall here, which, I mean, if that happens, my God, I, I, I don't know what the hell they do. So you got, you got two guys in the corners there and then your center field options for the time being are a four, a guy that, you know, in Luis Gonzalez, who I think is is a quality enough defender, but I don't know that he's going to hit. And then your two other your two other options are are two guys that can at least handle center field. I think in a passable way with Lurie. Um, obviously, Billy Hamilton has proven time and time again he can handle that position. But neither one of those guys can really provide you much offensively. So. I think the the defensive aspect is is the thing that I'm the most concerned about here until Adam Engel returns, um, because that this is going to have a pronounced impact on the starting pitching, and I think also then on on the bullpen that, for lack of a better term, right now isn't striking enough guys out. Um, you you put three suspect outfielders in there that that could be very problematic here, and, and the schedule doesn't do them a whole lot of favors here over the next couple of weeks. If, if you take a look at it. Um, so they just, they got to find a way. This is where everybody wants to talk about Tony LaRusso having gone through a lot of these scenarios in his time as a manager. This is time for uh, him to earn his money and, and find a way to pull this team together. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's like a perfect transition to the next part that I wanted to talk about. Obviously this Luis Robert news is highlighting the episode and that's why we're live right now doing it. You know, usually we do, a Sunday fun day where we kind of recap the week, but we had to do it tonight because it was just this news that came out. is just so depressing and you just got to talk about it and try to figure out ways to, you know, which our ways aren't going to translate on the field and Rick Hunt give two shits what anybody has to say. That's, you know, on social media or does these podcasts or whatever. But a thing that came out today was uh, that Tony LaRussa is being I mean, well, he's being scrutinized by media and it's coming out that he's, I don't want to say losing the clubhouse, but being questioned within the clubhouse. And at a time like this, where you lose one of your best players and you're sitting at 15 and 12 over what we've talked about when you and I have done post games, questionable decisions. I mean, that just seems like a whirlwind of shit that is all hitting at once that spells for bad fucking news brother 
that, that, that spells for bad news. I don't care that he's a Hall of Fame baseball manager. I know everybody on Twitter, oh, Hall of Fame baseball manager guy, person, whatever. Like, yeah, I get it. We, we, you know, there's guys, there's people that rip on him. I was questionable of the hire, and I know you got my back on that from the beginning, but I was questionable for due, to dil, dil, due diligence wise. If that was Jerry's guy, it was fucking Jerry's guy. Nothing else was going to happen. But the fact that this is coming out now, and then you get this other shitty news as a White Sox fan and somebody who's invested into this team, it's like, oh my God. Like, we have waited years for this paper. And I'm calling it paper because that's what you looked good on coming into the season. You look good on paper. Now you're taking a pen and you're crossing off these names due to injury or in some instances with Tony La Russa due to playing time like your mean Mercedes getting benched for being late the other day or this or that or the other. And, and you know, it, it's just all this shit hitting the fan at once is overwhelming. And if it's overwhelming to a fan, what the fuck do you think is happening in the clubhouse? So, Buzz, can you elaborate at all on this La Russa stuff in, in the clubhouse? Because I obviously was not aware of of some of the stuff that's that's kind of been coming out here. Um, I was kind of a little bit all over the map today, and I don't know if anyone tuning in has has heard the news. I'm I'm not on a lot of these social media platforms that a lot of the kids are on today, so I'm not necessarily as up to date on things. So, what uh, what what is I guess the genesis of all of this? So basically an article came out today and this is the first place that I saw the article come out. You know, I was at work doing a bunch of different shit. And um, supposedly this article came out on 670 score. It said uh, a report for some in the White Sox clubhouse patience is growing thin regarding Tony La Russa. Now I'll pull up and I'll read you the first paragraph. Patience is growing thin from some in the White Sox clubhouse regarding manager Tony La Russa's in-game strategical decisions, according to Jeff Passan on ESPN, reported Monday morning. Second paragraph. The development comes as no surprise after La Russa bundled a pair of decisions in a 5-2 loss to the Tigers Tuesday. In that contest, he left in Lucas Giolito in during the seventh for several key at-bats by the Tigers that undid the White Sox, with Giolito later explaining he was running out of gas. La Russa admitted he didn't re realize Giolito was tiring. So that's one of them. Then it comes to the um the lineup decision so we just talked a little bit of pitching here and we've known with the bullpen with his matt foster debacle earlier in the year that's something that has gone on to this the next paragraph goes on to read with the white Sox trailing by three in the bottom of the eighth of that game and tying the run at the plate larusa chose to let the light hitting billy hamilton hit instead of using a power bat off of the bench and that was the game i believe you and i did when we talked about why didn't we do use collins there i'm, I'm like 90 percent sure we did that game and I was like, well, if he, you know, why didn't he use Collins there or, or Vaughn even? Because I believe Vaughn wasn't playing. And he said he was looking for a single. And, and, and that's the report. That's the gist of it from Jeff Passan. Now, I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse. And for some of these media members, Steve, this is, and, and this goes back to talking to Joe Cowley when we did the Bulls on tap with him, Goose and I, and him saying it's just been so different this year for the Bulls, because if you remember, they didn't get to play in the bubble last year, and not even that media members got to fucking go there either. But this year, these media members don't have the access that they've had in the past. So you're not gaining that intel. You're not around the players all the time. You're doing Zoom, you're doing what we're doing right now, essentially, except they're Zoom meetings, just talking, asking questions or whatever. So it's hard for these guys to get a read on that. So whatever I <laughs> I don't know if Jeff Passan would just go out and make a story to make a fucking story. Obviously, we know within Chicago media 
that this has been an ongoing thing where whether you're ESPN 1000 or whether you're 670 the score, whether you're on tap sports net, whether you're, you know, fan side whatever you are, there's been questions over Tony LaRusse's in-game management. And, and we know this, but when it, they say it's coming from within the clubhouse, somebody with a little bit of pull, in my opinion, has, re, has either been asked a question on the, you know, off the record where a reporter didn't use said individual's name and reported it out. There's got to be some weight behind it. Because again, like I said before, if we're noticing it, I mean, what's going on in the clubhouse? Yeah, so a couple things. Um, Jeff Passan is pretty much the gold standard as far as baseball reporting in 2021, as far as I'm concerned. If it's not him, it's Ken Rosenthal, and and those two are really kind of neck and neck. Um, he doesn't put stuff out there unless it's very well-sourced, and, and he doesn't put out things just for clicks. He's not uh, Boob Nightingale. He's not some of these other schlubs that uh, fancy themselves as national baseball reporters. So there's got to be some merit to what is said from that perspective. And I know if you kind of read the tea leaves on some of the things that Passon has talked about in the past with this organization, it certainly seems like in a number of cases, he's gotten intel directly from Rick Hahn. Now, it would be a very bold move, I would say, for the general manager to put this out there with a guy that was not his choices as the manager. And uh, basically, you know, he had his nuts cut off during this entire managerial hire process for him to then turn around to one of the leading national baseball players and say, hey, this is kind of what's what's going on in the clubhouse Right now, if you want to sound smart, you know, you can go ahead and you can kind of write something about this. Um, but that's really damning, yeah. you know, to come from someone who carries as much weight in the industry as Jeff Passan. That's that's not a good sign. No, it's not. And, and that's and that's exactly what my point is. It's, you know, you want this clubhouse now. Within this injury, I mean, God, when Eloy tore his peck, I mean, it was like he died. And we all made jokes about it. And, you know, there's, I mean, for God's sakes, there's a Twitter's account, a Twitter account called Eloy's Ghost. And it just gets me, it gets me every time. It what really is this, does. what is this Twitter thing that you speak of? Oh, it's a social media platform where uh, you have some people with good takes and that are polite, or you have people with bad takes that are polite. And then you have a bunch of people that hate everything and want to watch the world burn. I think I'd like to find myself in the middle, um, you know, but who knows that, that that's where it's, it's just a congregation of, of people that talk sports or any other worldly news, really. And you could follow us there at on tap sports, or socks on tap if you'd like, but you know, I, I, I go back to looking at this and, and to a point that I had brought up earlier, you're going to really lean on your, your veterans that have done it before your Yasmani Grandals, your Jose Abreu's you're going to lean on these guys. I mean, Tim Anderson's been doing it for two seasons, you know, I mean, well, I guess a half if you, the 60 game thing. You know what I'm talking about, but you're going to be leaning on these guys to carry the burden of this with being so injured. Now, can they get in the right mind frame to rally around each other? If this Passan report is, I mean, I'm which you said before, he's a gold standard. It's got to be somewhat legitimate. There's got to be something there. Now, can they rally around each other to make something happen where they can remain competitive until you get 
Luis Robert back, which I saw best case scenario is late August, early September. And then we already knew the timeline for Eloy was going to be September, middle of September or something like that. If he's able to come back and if moves aren't made and they go the way that they're going now, right. It's going to be very difficult if these guys don't pick it up. Now, if they go to an outside guy who might be able to, you know, provide a spark or possibly, not just provide a spark, but a career resurgence of some sorts, whether that's a uh, Josh Reddick, Yusil Puig, or Ryan Braun, or something like that. I don't know. Or if they make a trade. But like you had pointed out in the beginning of the episode, it's kind of too early for that without, would you say, overpaying is fair to say? It's not just overpaying, but you still have teams really trying to assess what they ultimately are. You could go into the season and think that you're not going to be competitive, but then you get some things that kind of break right. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in, in the midst of a playoff push, you know, come August, September. I mean, it happens, it happens pretty frequently. You know, you look at a team like the giants, no, nobody thought that they were going to be challenging anybody in the NL was nobody thought they, they were going to be able to play with the Dodgers or the Padres. And I've said frequently, April was the most misleading month of baseball on the calendar. And this very well could just be the giants just, you know, coming out of the gate hot. And over the course of the next five months, things will normalize and they will kind of go back to what all of us think that they are, but they're getting some tremendous pitching right now. And they're getting resurgences. Like you talk about from Evan Longoria, from Buster Posey and, so for a team like that to then turn around and be like, well, coming into the season, we thought we were just going to be able to move some assets at the, at the trade deadline. But if they keep playing well, if they build confidence and if they get production out of some of, you know, the, the few young guys that they have um, on their roster right now, and you get continued quality performances from some of your veterans and you stick around, it's very hard to justify moving guys right now. And even a team like the Texas Rangers, look, they're they're that's not a good team. You know, I saw them up close and personal twice last weekend. That is not a good baseball team, but they're not that far out of things right now. So they're not gonna start moving guys in, in the month of May. And it's just there's not a lot of good options. Like the, I I think that. You, you you talked about Pui. You talked about Reddick. I think ultimately they have to look at someone that can ha- at least give you a passable center field. Um, really, the only options that, that I think make ideal sense for this, Kevin Kiermaier with the Tampa Bay Rays, because I know the Rays would move the contract in a heartbeat. But the thing is, Kiermaier can't really hit. So you're you're not getting much offensive production. I mean, it will help shore up the defense. The other option I was thinking about, but again, you know, we're still a month too early here, was maybe Starling Marte with the Marlins, but he's got a he's got a fractured rib, so he's not even going to play till June. So, looking externally at someone to try to fill this center field void right now, again, I, I just come back to what I said earlier in the episode. I don't know what the options are right now, and I just think that center field is the area that has to be addressed because I just don't think, you know moving Adam Eaton and then bringing in a, a, a Reddick or a Puig to, to cover right field is, is going to have the desired impact that we, that we want it to. Well, I've kind of kicked the tires on um, the Mitch Hanniger thing, which was rumored, but with Seattle 
you know, being what are they right now? Like sixteen and thirteen, I think. Exactly. That's they're a that's second, a that's another place. Yeah, that's a perfect example right there. That's a team that nobody thought was going to be any good this year, and they came out. They had a really good month month of April, and like they're not going to move. They're not going to move Mitch Hanninger yet. Um, I mean, for, I guess the next question I have to ask is: Have you been talking to Jordan Lozowski a lot? No, I haven't. Why? He oh he's been on that Mitch Hanninger train since you know going back to you know Eloy's injury. <laughs> oh I'm no I'm a huge Lozowski fan. I I'm, I like Jordan Lozowski a lot. No, a I haven't, yeah, I haven't really talked to him about that. But um, you know, I just it was just kind of something that I've you know read about last year, kicked the tires on it. I actually wrote an article, if you remember, for on tap last year about Hanniger and, and what that would look like and what it would possibly take to get him. But then he had the nut problem, if you remember, he had like I don't know if he lost. Yar. Yar. I don't know if he lost a test here or what happened, but you know, it was something along those lines. And I was just like, oh man, you know, but I, I was kind of looking at that. But then as you know, I, I've been watching some Mariners baseball on the MLB. Uh, I have the MLB TV. So I've been checking that out a little bit, you know, and like I got a game on right now and I'm just, you know, just kind of looking and, and then, you know, going online and looking at free agents or maybe players that are willing to be moved and, I kind of go back to your opinion and, and agree with it and echo the sentiments that I don't really think that they're going to be able to do something right now. And if they do, I'm not really sure it's going to be anybody of significance, especially off of a competing team that'll be able to come and help you. And, and that's, that's a major problem with angle suffering his setback. And again, I, I, I keep the same energy. I say he changed his swing and all this shit. Adam angle is a fourth outfielder on a good team. And I believe that truly, I really do. And I, there's not, it's nothing against Adam Engel. It's nothing against him. The outside the box thing with Adam Eaton moving to center and bringing in a right fielder, it's something that I might explore. And then if it blows up in our face, well, what the fuck else was going to happen? Something bad's going to happen. I don't know. But at this point, a lot of bad has happened. That's why this episode is dubbed Let the Bad Times Roll, because it's just going to keep fucking happening, I guess. I, I don't know where you go from here. You can't replace a guy like Eloy, who we were talking about hitting 40 plus bombs, you know, and then a guy like Luis Robert, who was, whose bat was heating up a bit there. I mean, he was bat, you know, he's above 300 bat and he was, he was hitting the ball. Well, he plays a good center field, really good center field. And it's just, you lose that you're in trouble and, and that's where they're at. And I don't know, again, I, I don't know where they go. We gave some options that they could possibly look at, but the one thing that scared me in Hans Presser today, dude, listening to the, the little uh, tidbits on, of it on the radio was, you know, he just said that he doesn't want to make a move because this is an open contention window. He's going to be smart about something he, he does. And when we were all, and I can kind of relate this and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I kind of relate this to last year at the trade deadline when we knew we needed a third pitcher in that shortened season, a, a third starter, and he didn't want to pull the trigger on it. Now, I know this is a different circumstance, but it's still kind of along the same lines because you're trying to compete. And I know it's early, but when you look at the talent that is here and that's available to you, it's almost a mirror image of, is he just going to stand pat and let it ride out? Because if he does, Steve, and, and it doesn't click, we're not talking about Soxtober. Well, you know, when talking about and to kind of circle back to the scenario last year about looking to get a third starting pitcher, 
I had heard from numerous people that the Texas Rangers ask for Lance Lynn was Andrew Vaughn. Would you, or how many people within this fan base aside from, um, well, I guess he's not really part of this fans ba- fan base. I know twins fan Ken would, would have been fine with it. Um, but, um, a, a lot of people wouldn't have, have been very thrilled with that. Or, you know, you get, you know, certain people that, uh, would say, oh, you know, trade, you know, Vaughn, Stever, and Kopech from Mike Clevenger, who then promptly had his elbow blow up. So the fact that there was no minor league season last year to where some of the guys that they have in their system would have had game action to be able to further their development really hurt them a season ago. So hopefully, you know, with the minor leagues starting up here again this week, the opportunity for them to maybe use some, some capital that they have down in the lower minors to get a, a veteran piece to try to fill, you know, one of these holes here could be, um, could be something that, that may happen here if they, if they perform well. And I think there's enough guys or not enough, but there, there are some interesting names down in the low minors that could get you some solid returns. So I, I think, you're right, though, in, in the sense that Han has not historically shown that he has the balls to make the bold move, um, especially during you know a, a contention window, so to speak. I know a lot of people like to say that it, it was you know bold trading you know Chris Sale and and Adam Eaton in the Jose Quintana deals and everything. I, I don't necessarily know that those were that bold. Um, I, I think that this is definitely a scenario where if they can tread water here for a month and then the, you know, the calendar flips to June and then teams start looking at, at flipping people, he's going to have to make a bold move. If he really wants to talk about maximizing and, and taking advantage of this season, and he talks about every season being sacred. Well, you know, if you, if you get through the month of May in okay position here, you got to give some real thought to, to doing something that may hurt. Well, right. And I mean, that if you want to be competitive, that's the thing. Like I said, I've seen Dylan Cease, and this is just th- through people on Twitter talking, you know, and, and going back to your point before about, you know, people not being okay with trading Andrew Vaughn last year, or would you have been okay with trading Andrew Vaughn last year? A lot of people that would have been okay would also expect the Sox to pay for somebody like a George Springer or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what they would want to supplement losing in an advanced bat like that when that's just not realistic. And is that right that it's not realistic? No, probably not. But that's just the reality of it, man. I'm not here to judge what is right and what is wrong. It's not my fucking money. I can't tell anybody how to spend their money. I just can't do it. But uh, no, no, uh, you, you, you absolutely can. It's just they're not going to listen. Well, right. Yes, I, I can. I can talk at them then. I can't tell them anything, but I can talk at them and, and let them know to, to, to spend the money. But, you know, like you said, man, I think that along your thought process and hearing out your opinion, you're more you're probably more likely right than anything. Whatever happens isn't going to happen in a day. It's probably not going to happen in two to three weeks span. It'll probably be in June, mid-June, when teams learn what they are after, you know, two and a half months into the season where they're willing to flip guys and, and maybe that's when the socks strike and they need to stay afloat for now. If they do bring in an outside source, might as well try it because you know what you have in Billy Hamilton, you know what you have in Luis Gonzalez, you know what you have in Nick Williams, you know what you have in Louis Garcia. I mean, those names I just mentioned, you don't want any of them starting on what was hopeful to be a world series contending team. And again, just because 
the Sox lose Luis Robert doesn't mean they can't still be productive and a competitive team. It's just going to really fucking hurt. And that's when you either get creative or you ride it out and just see what happens. I mean, I guess that's both scenarios. I guess if you get creative and you ride it out and see what happens, that's all I really have. I don't really know what else to touch on. I think we hit a lot of it. Yeah, we did. It's, it comes back to something that you really drove home earlier. It is incumbent at this juncture for Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal. Those guys have to step up. Adam Eaton has to step up. And if they're going to win games at this point, I think it, they're probably going to have to win more with pitching at this juncture. So Giolito, Diamond Dallas, the bullpen, it, it's go time here. You know, you, you've lost two big offensive pieces. And um, if, if this team really does fancy themselves a, a playoff contender, your veteran guys, your guys that have been there before have played in and won world series. You got to step up here. That's right. it. And I'm, I'm also, I'm be honest with you with Luis Robert going down. I, there's no way Andrew Vaughn can't be in the lineup pretty much every day. I mean, that just has to be it. And hopefully he can, you know, with consistent at bats, he can, can, you know, strike some lightning. Like you said earlier in the episode, the guy's got to, guy's got to start stepping up and he's got to be one of them. And he's been thrust into a, a situation in his rookie year um, with nothing, like you said earlier, above class A ball at a new position. It's a lot to put on to a young player, but he was a high draft pick for a reason. He's the most advanced bat. It was what they said when he was coming out of the draft and that we need to look for big things out of him to hopefully it's not going to, it's not going to take over supplement Luis Roberts productivity, but if he can be what a lot of people think he can be, I think that'll take a little bit less of the sting away. And I could be wrong on that, but I'm just, that's what I'm hoping for, I guess. You're absolutely right, Buzz. If, if he does start to hit for the power that we were promised he has in his bat and that I do believe is there. Um, I was talking about this, the, the post game on Friday night with, with Tony. I think that aside from the bats against Shane Bieber on Friday, which look, look, Shane Bieber can make a 10 year veteran look overmatched, let alone a guy that had never seen a breaking ball of that quality above class a ball up until three weeks ago. So if, if Andrew Vaughn starts to hit the ball out of the ballpark with consistency, given the quality of the plate approach that he has displayed to this juncture here, that will help tremendously. And, and they desperately need that. They need somebody. I don't know who it's going to be. If it's, if it's one of the veteran guys, if it's Andrew Vaughn, if it's Dylan Cease, or, or if it's continued from Carlos Rodon, somebody here has to step up and you have to pick up the slack at this juncture. I, I don't know what else it relates to say. Yeah. There's not, there's really not much to say, man. Like, you know, we just got to kind of write it out and see what happens, but that's all I got for this one. Any closing thoughts, my dude? Let's go get them tomorrow in Cincinnati. Carlos, you know, you're, you're on the mind. You had a hell of a month. You probably should have been the American league pitcher of the month, but you don't pitch for the New York Yankees. So um, go get them tomorrow. You know, that's a, it's a weak ass Cincinnati Reds team. Find a way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, I echo the same sentiments. Go out there, get a dub tomorrow, try to take the sting away and hopefully it all works out. Everybody be sure you're going on tap sportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at tap sportsnet at socks on tap. 
Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. Five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. Go to Grandstand for all your White Sox apparel or Chicago sports apparel needs. Follow them on socials at Grandstand Sox. I don't know who will be on the post game tomorrow, but tune in tomorrow after the Sox play the Reds on the post game. And I, I guess White Sox forever, man. White Sox for life. <laughs>